We're beginning chapter 21 in the book of Kings, and this is the story of the vineyard of Navot. And it opens up like this, verse 1, And it was after these things, that Navot, the Israelite, had a vineyard which was in Israel. So there's a particular Jew, his name is Navot, and he lives in Israel, which is in the northern region of Israel. And the verse continues, And this vineyard was right next to the palace of Ahab, the king of Samaria. So let's kind of dissect the verse. We see, first of all, that Navot is described as being the Israeli. He's the local. And Achav, the verse describes as being the king of Shomron. He does have a palace in Israel, but that's like a winter residence or a summer residence. His, his place of residence permanently is in Shomron, not in Israel. So while Navot might be out of his league when dealing with Achav, because Achav is the king and, and Navot's just a simple Jew, Navot, he's the local, and Achav, he's coming from the outside. So we see that in the verse right away. The other uh, component of the verse we have to talk about is it says, and it was after these happenings or after these things. Now, there's a rule in the Chumash and in the Prophets that when you open a chapter like that and it was after these things, that means you have to look at what happened before. I mean, after what things? What preceded this chapter that it should say after these things? So, well, what happened at the end of chapter 20? We saw that Ahab sinned when he released the wicked uh, king of Aram, Ben-Hadad, and that brought about the demise of Ahav. That was one of the, that's one of the major events that will bring about the fall of King Ahab. And in, in the same fashion, this chapter, this episode with Nevot, will continue to bring about the demise of Ahav as well. So that's a connection between the two chapters. In, in, uh, in addition, when Ahav took mercy upon the cruel Ben-Hadad in the end of chapter 20, He's fulfilling the, uh, the verse, he was mercy upon the cruel, will someday be cruel unto the merciful. Well, he had mercy upon the cruel Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, and in this chapter here, we'll see him being cruel unto the merciful. And the merciful here, of course, is Navot, the innocent Navot. So we see, of course, there's a symmetry that the sages teach us that if you're not going to be cruel in the right place, then you're going to be cruel in the wrong place. And that's going to manifest itself right here in our chapter. Okay, so let's look at now verse 2. And Achav spoke to Nevot, Lemor, and he said, Give me your vineyard. And it will be for me a vegetable garden. Because it's right near my house. And I'm not asking you to give it to me for free. I'm going to give you a a vineyard that's even better than the one you're giving me. And if it finds favor in your eyes, I'll give you money for it, whatever it's worth. So, Achav is offering Navot money or another vineyard in exchange for the vineyard of Navot. So let's now look at Navot's response. Verse 3. And Navot said to Achav, God forbid that I give the inheritance of my forefathers to you. 
So verse 3 is really short and concise and to the point. And it's very, very important to understand this verse because it's basically the claim of Navot. It's his reasoning why he doesn't want to make this deal with Achav. And he's saying, Chalilali, God forbid I give this Nachalat to uh, um, this, this portion, this inheritance of my ancestors over to you. Well, simply put, he could be just saying that this is my ancestral inheritance and I don't want to give it away. It's got sentimental value. And the Mitzvah that David says more. He says that we know that it says in the book of the book of uh, Vayikra, the Leviticus, chapter twenty-five. There it talks about all kinds of laws of the land, like shemitah laws and so forth. And it says that ha'eretz lo tamacher litzmitut that you're not allowed to sell your land permanently. That is, every Jew has his portion, every tribe has its portion, every family of each tribe has its particular inheritance. And you're not supposed to sell it unless you really need the money. And even then, you try to redeem it at the Yovel. Every 50 years, there's a Yovel. And then you try to redeem the land. So there's an inya, there's a matter of importance of ancestral ownership remaining in the family uh, as much as possible. And therefore, Navot isn't willing to give up his ancestral inheritance. A very simple halacha from Pashat Bahar. And the vote, which is a kind of a, a unique name, some say it's nachal avot. Navot comes from the words nachal avot, inheritance of the fathers. Now, the Malbim goes deeper into it. The uh, commentator, the Malbim, like when he says chalilali, from um, you know, we we throw that around a lot. God forbid I give you my land, or we say it in Hebrew chasfa shalom, chasfa chalila. So you could say, well, that's what Navot is saying, chas shalom, in a simple way. But no, when it's in scripture, chalila, it's got a lot more depth to it. So according to the Malbim, what, what he's saying is, God forbid, I give up my ancestral inheritance to you. And he's saying a lot more. He's saying that I am, um, I am keeping my ancestral inheritance of Torah, and the traditions of Judaism, and you are not a chav, and I'm not going to give it to you. Notice the word says, he says in verse 3, Lach, you I don't want to give up, because you have not kept your ancestral inheritance, which here it means Torah, and I won't give you my vineyard, because who knows what you'll do with it. You'll probably, if I sell it, you'll, it'll become some kind of shrine to the Baal, or some kind of shrine to the Asherah trees, that you so worship with your wife Jezebel. And therefore, Khalilali from Lashon Khalal or Khilul Hashem, a desecration of the vineyard of my forefathers, I, wa- I don't want to give it over to you. So we see there that what Mal- the Navot's uh, answer to Achav is a lot more piercing than just saying, I'm not going to give you my vineyard because of traditional, you know, because of sentimental value it, that it has. But here it's kind of a dig on Achav and a criticism of King Achav. And that's why verse 4, we see Achav's reaction is very severe. It says in verse 4, And Achav went to his home, which means he was sad and upset, which is, by the way, the exact words we saw at the end of chapter 20. When he went home, sad and tired, after the rebuke of the prophet. And he was upset, He was upset about the words that were spoken to him by Navot the Israelite, when he said, 
I'm not going to give you your inheritance, inheritance of my forefathers. And he laid on his bed, and he turned his face to the wall, and he did not eat bread, he did not eat. So why is he so upset, so depressed? And we see in the verse, they're repeating the words of Navot that he said, I'm not going to give over to you the inheritance of my forefathers. That is the key line here. That is what is striking a chord within Achav. It's not the vineyard that he so wants that's getting him upset about, but his conscience has been prodded by Navot. He's got pangs of guilt that he's not going in the traditions of his fathers. And that explains this severe reaction to the words of Navot HaYisraeli. Uh, so, verse 5 now, we're going to have his wife Jezebel coming to the rescue. And his wife Jezebel came. Now, she's mentioned here all the time as his wife. And he has many wives, Achav. We'll see later on. He has 70 sons and many wives. But she is the major wife. She's the major influence on him. So, she's always here, referred to here as his wife. And she spoke to him. And what did she say? What is that your spirit has left you? You're not eating any bread. So he, he told her. And he told her the story that Navot the Israeli, he wanted to give him the field for money. And he tells her that I was willing to give him money or another vineyard in its place. But Navot said, Navot said, I'm not going to give you my vineyard. So we see that Achav is recounting the story or retelling the story to his wife Jezebel. Jezebel, he kind of changes it. He doesn't really show how gracious he was. You know, Achav was pretty gracious, uh, generous. He was willing to do a lot for Navot if he gave him the vineyard uh, in exchange. But when he retells it to Jezebel, he's kind of making it look like a business transaction that just didn't work. And he was... Um, turned down for it, maybe he doesn't want to give over to Izevel that he was being gracious, because he, he might be a little intimidated by her, and that's why he doesn't tell her everything. And what's, what's most important, though, is in his recounting of what happened, is he doesn't give us Navot's reasoning. And we, Navot's reasoning is very clear, and it was repeated in verse 4, I won't give you the inheritance of my fathers. But when he recounts the story to Jezebel, he just says, that, vin- that uh, Novot said, I'm not going to give you my vineyard, period. So why doesn't he include the reasoning? Well, it could be that Achav himself forgot about the reasoning and he's just like turned a Novot into some monster who's being defiant and chutzpah to the king. And sometimes we kind of like let things uh, escalate like that. But it's very likely that he he's just leaving it out because what does Jezebel, how could she identify with the concept of the inheritance of my fathers, uh, my ancestors. You know, Jezebel is not into those concepts. So Achav just leaves that out, and, but it makes um, Navot sound a lot more defiant. And he's just doing it um, um, to be uh, insolent to the king by not giving the reasoning of Navot. So in any case, let's now go on to verse 7. V'tomer alav izevel ishto. So... Jezebel, his wife, said to him, Ata, you, Ata ta Yisrael. He says, you're supposed to be exercising power over Israel. You're supposed to be acting like a king. 
You're not acting like a king here, laying in bed. Get up and eat bread. And be merry. Don't worry. I will give you Navot, the Israeli, the Israelites' vineyard. So Jezebel's telling Achav, don't worry, I'll take care of it. You got to start acting like a king. And we'll see the difference between the way Jezebel reacts to Navot and the way Achav reacted. Achav just took, took it and swallowed the pill and went home. But Jezebel, she's from different uh, materials. She's from Sidon. You know, she's a Phoenician. And they're from the children of Ham. You know, Noah had three sons, Sham, Yefet, and Ham. And she's from Ham, which is the more vile, a vulgar son. And she's going to do some terrible things now to get this vineyard over to her husband, Achav, to cheer up his spirits. Now, one of the uh, questions that's asked by just about all the commentators here is, why did Achav, um, why couldn't Achav just take Navot's field or vineyard in his capacity as king? Because it does say in the book of Samuel, when Shmuel and Navi, the, Shmuel the prophet, is giving over the Mishpat HaMelech in chapter 8, he's telling the people uh, what the laws of the king are. One of the things uh, that he says the king can do is he can confiscate your vineyards and your fields. Let's just go back to that because this is something the commentators uh, raise. If you look at Shmuel, book of Shmuel, chapter 8, verse 10, Shmuel is giving the Jewish people the protocol of the king who will reign over them. And he gives a list of things that the king can do. He can take his sons and place them in his chariots and cavalry. And he can do all this stuff. He has tremendous power and authority over you. And then it says he can take your daughters to be cooks and bakers and perfumers. He will confiscate your fields and vineyards and your olive trees and present them to his servants. And it goes on and on. So we see here in the Mishpat HaMelech that the prophet Shmuel tells the Jewish people here that the king has the authority to confiscate your vineyards. So why didn't Achav confiscate Levot's vineyard? We see that he did not. Obviously he couldn't, but why not? That's the question. So... The Gomorrah in Masechet Sanhedrin, uh, page 20, gives the answer. There's a, two rabbis, Rav Yossi and Rav Yehuda, and Rav Yehuda says that the, this whole um, episode of Mishpat HaMelech in the book of Samuel, chapter 8, the protocol of the king, that's not really the halacha, but that was only, uh, that was only said by Shmuel in order to scare the Jewish people and to frighten them from taking a king. Because if you look at the background of it, the Jewish people requested a king from Samuel the prophet, and the request was really not uh, a good idea at the time. The motive for their wanting a king was a flawed motive. They wanted to be like all well, the Goyim. So Shmuel was trying trying to deter them from the idea. He was trying to, to deter them from this idea of taking a king. So this whole protocol of the king was just a... Um, Scare tactic. It's not really the halacha, and therefore Achav could not really confiscate the vineyard of Navot. Now, Rav Yossi differs with Rav Yehuda, and he says this is the um, this is the uh, laws of the king. He can do that, but when it says he can confiscate your vineyard, it doesn't mean he can take the fields and the vineyards itself. But he could take the fruits of the fields, not the field itself, and only when it's tzorach milacha. If the Malchut, if the kingdom is in need of it, let's say if there's a war situation, then the king has the authority to do so. And of course, Achav, 
that was not the situation here with Ahab. He wanted for a vegetable garden, and therefore he couldn't just confiscate it. Now, it's interesting that the Abarbanel chimes in on this, and he agrees with Rabbi Yehuda with the first opinion that this whole Mishpat HaMelech in the book of Samuel was simply a scare tactic, because if you go to Deuteronomy, chapter 17, where it gives the laws of the kings in the Chumash itself, where the king is not allowed to have too many women and he's prohibited horses, an excess of horses and so forth. That was the place to put in the protocol of the king. But it's not written in Deuteronomy. So Shmuel obviously kind of made it up to scare the people off because Shmuel, even as great as a prophet as he is, isn't allowed to invent new halachas. And therefore, according to the Abarbanel, Rav Yehuda in the Gomorrah is correct. In any case, we see from all these opinions that Achav was not able to just take by force the field of Navot. Now, there's one more idea, which is kind of interesting, and that's the Tosfot. And he says the reason why Achav wasn't able to just take Navot's um, uh, vineyard by force is because the Mishpat HaMelech that Shmuel utters here, this whole protocol of the king, it is a lacha. It is a lacha. But, according to the Tosfot, that's only for a king who's been anointed by Hashem, a king over the Jewish people, a legitimate king. And Achav is not a legitimate king. The Tosfot says that, after all, he wasn't anointed, not by the prophet, not by God was he chosen. We know how Achav came into power. His father Omri murdered the guy before him, who murdered the guy before him. The only anointed king up to now by, by the prophet was Yeruvah ben Avat, and he also went off the derech, you know, he went off the, the proper path. So, according to the Tosfot, these are illegitimate kings in the first place, so that they don't have the authority of a, a king of Israel on the halachic basis, where it says in the Mishpat HaMelech, and therefore, Achav is an illegitimate king in the first place, and that's why maybe Navot, when he told Achav, I'm not giving it over to you, you're not even a legitimate, maybe he was insinuating that you're not really a royal king over the Jewish people. You haven't been anointed by anybody. And that may be what's prodding or bothering Achav, or maybe that's where he sees an insolence in the words of Navot, which will eventually bring Jezebel, his wife, to hold a trial against him that he blasphemed the king. And we'll talk more about that in our next shiur.